Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. you to take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And this summer, we're, we're starting a, a new summer series that we're launching today. And myself, along with the other teaching pastors, we're going to be tag-teaming on this series. And what we're simply looking at is, what does the Bible have to say about the end time? And I know that brings a lot of um, questions up. I know in our day today, we're looking around at all the things that are unfolding. We're hearing things towards this, towards this end on the news and the media. And I thought it would be a good time, a great opportunity just for us to, to, to pause from our D6 theme that we've been unpacking each week and, and just dig a little bit deeper in to see what the Bible really has to say about the end times. And uh, so in Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bibles open there, I'll be coming back there briefly in just a moment. Uh, but before I do, I want you to watch, uh, watch this short video, if you will, please. Because of uh, global warming. Yeah, that's We're going to have a uh, temperature change and it's going to cause the climate to change. And therefore, we are uh, going to have massive storms and it's going to destroy everything. The aliens pushing the earth into the sun. I think that it's going to be an Armageddon type situation, like in Revelations. I have no idea. I hope I won't be here for it. We're going to blow ourselves up. <laughs> Nuclear winter. Probably environmental. Probably something environmental. Once again, that's what I believe. Some kind of uh, super bug, a virus, or something like that, I don't think. Global warming. Uh, that's hard to say. I think it'll probably end at the cause of human beings in one way, shape, or form or another. But it'll be our fault, definitely. Um, I think we'll kill ourselves before uh, the sun eventually uh, destroys Earth. Nuclear war is a possibility, although it seems a bit cliched and fright. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be a method and manner in which we can't conceive of right now. I think we're going to self-destruct. We're going to make ourselves, you know, um, all the resources and everything. Just gonna, we're just going to use everything up. I believe in the Bible and, like, uh, in Revelation it says, you know, the first time around whenever it was a storm for 40 days or 40 nights or whatever, it was by water. And the second time it's supposed to be by fire, so. Like a big meteor or? Fire. Well, God said it won't be water but fire next time. Well, I know that um, Jesus is coming back to judge the world. That's all I know. We have some individuals in our country, and we have some students in our country, who, for whatever reason, arrived at the conclusion that this is all planned, the destruction of the world, the end of the world. There's nothing we can do about it. I can't think of anything more dangerous than to take the assumption that some religious perspective claims that this world's going to come to an end. Some stupid idiot terrorist getting a hold of an A-bomb and blowing everybody up. The world will end with a buffer overflow. And God will send fire. He saw it sent water a long time ago, so I think fire going to come this time. Well, the Bible says that it'll end with fire. It's going to end, dude. It's going to end quick. As you can see, there are varying opinions when you do a word on the street and you just go out and talk to people and interview them and ask them what their thoughts are on how the world will come to an end or even if it will come to an end, you're going to find polar opposites from one extreme to the other of what people's opinions are about how the world will come to an end. Well, I just want you to know as a church that the Bible speaks towards that. And it gives us some specifics. It doesn't lay out all the details, but it does give us a pretty good idea of what is going to be taking place. That's what we're going to be unpacking uh, for, the, for this summer, every Sunday. We're going to come in here and pick up a different theme. But we're going to somewhat, today's going to be an introduction, 
And then somewhat we're going to try to go in progression as, as how the events will unfold Sunday by Sunday all the way through as we unpack what the Bible has to say about the end times. So the title of this series is What the Bible Says About the End Times. The title of this message is, Are We Really Living in the End Times? Are We Really Living in the End Times? I guess if I did a survey and I did a poll and I asked everyone what was their, uh, their question about biblical prophecy, a lot of times this is what I hear. Is this really the end? Are we really living in the end time? Is the end near? And then, of course, what does the Bible have to say about that? So turn in Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be looking at verses 3 down through verse number 14. Go ahead and with your other hand and finger, put your thumb in at Daniel chapter number 12. And we'll be looking there briefly. And we're going to be, I believe there are some signs. I believe the Bible, Jesus plainly tells us, Daniel plainly tells us, uh, that there are some things that we can look at to see whether or not we are in these last days and in this end time. But before we read God's Word, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the privilege to be able to worship freely here in America on this Sunday morning. Thank You, Lord, for everyone that is here, and uh, thank You, Lord, for everyone that's come to worship You. Thank You for how we felt Your presence already through the singing of songs of worship and being able to give an offering above our tithe just to sacrificially give to help build Your church. And Father, we can, all, we can leave right now and say it's been good just to be together with God's people in God's house. But God, I believe if we left right now, we'd leave really without hearing what thus saith the Lord on this subject. And Lord, I just pray that you would just give me clarity of thought, clarity of mind, as I have studied, as I have prepared. Help me to be able to share some of the signs that we see that your word tells us to look for in the end days. And God, if there's one here today that's not prepared to meet you, that's my ultimate prayer. That that individual would cease being religious and enter into a relationship, a personal relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, if someone here today doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior, my prayer is today they cry out to you and that you would be their Savior before they leave here today. Give us understanding. May the Holy Spirit of God do His perfect work in illuminating the Scripture, shining light on Your Word, so that we can have a better understanding of this very somewhat mystical subject about the end times. We ask Your blessings on the reading of Your Word and the preaching of Your Word. Help us to receive Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 3, so please follow along with me. And I know some of you bring, um, bring PDAs and, and phones and different things that you have your Bible in. That's okay. Just get to the Scripture, get to the Word, however you can get there. In Matthew chapter 24, in verse number 3, here's what the Scripture says. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said that he is Jesus. Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. Verse 4. And Jesus replied to them. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name. Saying I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. And you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise, against, rise up against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of birth pains. I want you to understand that. All these events are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9. Then they will hand you over for persecution. And they will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. And then many will take offense and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. 
and then the end will come. I want you to turn with me now over to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 12. I want us to look in verses 1 through 4. Daniel chapter 12 in verses 1 through 4. The scripture says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. And there will be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to shame and eternal contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the end, until the time of the end. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. Daniel, along with Jesus, gives us several hints, signs, if you will, about the end time and what it will look like, what it will be like when we're actually in those days. Matter of fact, back in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to go back and forth from those, but in Matthew 24, Jesus talks about several things. He says there will be worldwide chaos. He says there'll be a hatred of people. He says there'll be false leaders. He says there'll be much wickedness. He says there'll be much preaching. We are all concerned about the end time. And I guess what really brought this to the forefront for me I'll try to be pleasant here, was this, this individual by the name of Harold Camping. You know who he is? He's the one that had many of you and many people around the world even in an uproar that the world was going to come to an end on May the 21st of this year. And, of course, we talked about that the following Sunday, how, of course, it did not. His prediction was this. As a matter of fact, He was born in 1921. He is an American Christian radio broadcaster. He's the president of Family Radio, a California-based radio group that spans over to 150 markets. And while he was on the radio, he was dispersing that the end of the world was going to come on May the 21st, 2011, for everyone to get prepared. And, of course, we know that it did not come. He said, following that coming, that, that destruction on the May the 21st, there will be five months of fire and brimstone and plagues with millions of people dying every day, culminating on October the 21st, 2011, as the actual end of the world. That was his prophecy. I received numerous phone calls, text messages, emails, Facebook messages asking what I thought about this declaration from Harold Camping on May the 21st. Of course, for most, I just text back Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 36. And the Bible says this, Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only. Guys, may I just put a declaration out there today. Steer clear of nutcases. Hello? You can laugh. It's okay. There are going to be people all the time that are popping up and saying the end is going to come on this date. The end is going to come on that date. Steer clear of that. As a matter of fact, after May the 21st, they went back to Harold Camping and they asked him how he felt about his prediction not coming true. This is what he said. He said, well, I believe that there was a spiritual judgment that occurred on that date, and that the physical rapture would occur on October the 21st, 2011, and simultaneously with the destruction of the universe by God. So there's another declaration as we get into the fall of this year. Listen, he's the president of a, of a national 150 market radio network station. This is going to be dispersed again come October. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to live by faith in what the Word of God proclaims and declares for every one of us. We're not to live by fear. Amen? God doesn't want us living by fear. He wants us living by faith. 
So what you need to do whenever anybody steps out and makes a declaration that the Lord is going to come on this date, the end of the world is going to be on this date, this is going to happen on this date, I want you as a church to just steer clear of that and drive everybody back to the Word of God and say, what saith the Lord on that particular subject? And you know what he says? Matthew 24, 36. No one knows. Amen? No one knows. But guys, you realize that there are people today still, although they predict these dates and they're wrong, they get caught up in numerology, they get caught up in some signs, they get caught up in all these other things. Listen, if you're going to declare, you must go to the Word of God. Amen? Right here is where we go to bring out what the end will look like. There was another man. Matter of fact, this guy is a very educated man. His name is Edgar Wisnett. And Edgar Wisnett is a retired NASA engineer. And he wrote a book. And he wrote a book back in 1988. And his book sold 4.3 million copies. And in that book, he laid out tremendous detail about the coming of Christ and how Jesus would come before December the 31st, 1988. Now, that's before some of you were born. I just want you to see that there have, been, there have been people making these bogus declarations for centuries. Do not listen to them. Do not take heed. I'm surprised that 4.3 million people bought his book. But I'm even more surprised that the following year, the next year, he sold three or 30,000 copies of his book, detailing once again, I made a mistake. It's not 1988. It's 1989. And 30,000 more copies sold. That amazes me how people buy into this false prophet, false prophecy. The Word of God, Jesus himself says that no man knows. But there's another verse of Scripture I want you to see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7. And this text warns us against setting dates and times. No man knows. Look what it says in verse 6 and 7 of Acts chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, what did he say? It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his authority. Guys, you know what needs we need to understand? We need to get to a place where we're just content not really knowing. Hello? We don't really know. We need to get to the place where we realize that there are going to be some things in this world that we will never ever know about God, that we will have to wait till we are in His presence to ask Him about some of those things. Heaven is going to be a place of learning. Matter of fact, we're going to finish up this series on a sermon about heaven. And we're going to look and see what the Bible says about our afterlife as a born-again believer, as a Christian, what it will be like in heaven. And the Bible speaks towards that. But I want you to know that heaven's going to be a place of learning. You're not going to be like Casper the Friendly Ghost floating around, stroking a harp on a cloud and singing Kumbaya. Listen, that's not going to happen in heaven. Hello? Never really liked that song anyway. I mean, it's a good little camp song, but it's a camp song. You know? Well, heaven's going to be a place of learning. And the Bible says in Acts 1 and 6 that no man knows. Now, I want you to get this. Just because we do not know when the Lord is coming, that does not change the fact that He is coming. Okay? I want you to, I want you to understand, I am not sitting up here today telling you that the Lord is not coming. He is coming. Okay? I'm here telling you today that we do not know the day, we do not know the time, we do not know the hour, we do not know when He's coming. But because we don't know when He's coming, that doesn't mean that we just throw it all out and just kind of refuse the whole doctrine anyway. He is coming. He promised He would come. He's fulfilled every prophecy and every promise in His Word, and I have no doubt that this one will take place as well. The Lord is coming. That's fact, and we need to bank on that, okay? Now, let's look. Today, I just want to look at some signs. I want to look at some hints 
to answer the question, are we living in the end times? Are we living in those end days? Now, back in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 through 4, the text I just read, I want you to look closely at verse number 4. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4. It says, but you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal the book until the time of the end. And many will roam about and knowledge will increase. Well, I got a couple of questions about that verse. The first question is, what words are you sealing? And what book is Daniel commanded to shut up and seal? We're told plainly in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number, or Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1, what this book is. Look back in that verse. In Daniel chapter 1, it says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people. Now, by the way, who are those people? Who, who are Daniel's people? They're the Jews. Guys, you realize that God still has his eyes on his people. Yes, he's went out. He's allowed the Gentiles to be grafted in. But the Jews are still God's chosen people. He stopped the time clock on them for a season. So he could allow the Gentiles to be grafted in. But there will come a day when all attention is going back to his people. And what he's telling us here in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, that, that God has set an angel to watch over his people. And that's Michael. Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. And there'll be a lot, or there'll be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until, until that time. Listen, guys, that is a clear reference to the great tribulation. We'll talk about that later. We will discuss and unpack the tribulation period, what it will look like in one of these future sermons. But here is a reference to the great tribulation. But at that time, your people who are found written in the book will escape. You know what the book he's talking about there? He's talking about the book of life. Those individuals, these Jews that he's talking about within this time frame are those, are those tribulation Jews. Those Jews during the tribulation period that have accepted Christ as their Savior and died a martyr's death. God is watching over them. And those individuals that trusted Christ as their Savior are written in the book of life. And if your name is in the book of life, you'll escape. And that's what he's unpacking and that's what he's sharing there. But we see a hint also. We see a hint in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4. Actually, there are two hints. And I want us to look at a few hints, a few signs that the end is near or that we may be in these last days and last times, if you will. Let's look at some of the signs of the end time. Number one, it says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4, the latter part of it, it says, many will roam about. You know, one of the signs, and by the way, on the back of your worship folder, there's a place for you to take some notes if you want to jot some of these things down. I put the scripture references up there for you so you'd have those. But in Daniel chapter 12, in verse number 4, it says that travel will increase. That's one of the signs of the end times or the end days. The phrase that many will roam about is a clear reference to the ability of mankind to be able to pick up and travel to any portion or any spot of the globe rather easily. Guys, would you agree with me that we are able to roam about just about anywhere that we would want to go? I mean, the great Norwegian explorer discovered the South Pole December the 14th, 1911. And you must understand that, that this 20th century and 21st century that we're living in is the easiest time ever for travel to take place. I mean, we can just pick up and relatively easy go to the South Pole. As a matter of fact, we have one of our church members that did just that. And while he was there, he took some pictures. I want you to show this picture. Now, I am not saying that Gary Ledford is the Antichrist. I'm not saying that, it, that the end is there because he traveled to the South Pole. I'm just saying that, that there, there's his taxi. He jumped in his taxi. He took off on this TDY. And there he is at the South Pole in Antarctica. And we got some pretty cool pictures there. So there Gary is. Just jumped up on a plane and took off relatively easy. I mean... Not as easy as going from here to Mascuda, but it was relatively easy getting down there on his nice little taxi that he taxied in behind him. Let's show the next picture. Here he is. There he is, literally at the South Pole, standing. Isn't that kind of cool? 
I, I thought that was awesome. When he sent me these pictures and he shared with me a little bit about his trip, I thought, how cool is that? He hops on his taxi with wings. He flies down to Antarctica. He gets down to the, to the South Pole, and there he is standing right by the South Pole. Now, here's the cool thing. Show the next slide. While he was there... He was thinking about our church. You see what he's holding? He is holding a Victory Church bumper sticker, window decal sticker. And he said, while he was there, he was praying for us. Isn't that cool? Come on, guys. Give it up. Isn't that pretty awesome? While he's doing this travel to the South Pole, there he is at Antarctica, and he can give you the history behind this, this monument I went, and I, I, I did some research on that, but I am not going to butcher it up on what that. So see Gary afterwards, a great story about what he's standing beside right there, and he can share that with you. But I just want you to see that travel is relatively easy in our day today. And that's one of the signs. Many will roam about. Travel will increase. But there's another sign that we see in Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. Not only will travel increase, but knowledge will increase. And Daniel predicts that. God shares that with Daniel, predicts that in, in, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4, that knowledge would increase. Think about that if you will. You think about the knowledge that we have today in this generation, in this time span. I mean, knowledge is at our fingertips. Matter of fact, on my iPhone, there are two apps that I carry with me all the time. And I actually, these are my two most popular apps on my iPhone. Number one is the Google button. I mean, if there's anything that you want to know about anything, you can what? What do we say? Go Google it, right? We just go Google it. Now, let me put out a disclaimer. Just because you read it on the Internet does not make it fact or true, okay? Be careful. Be careful. I've had people print off stuff and say, here it is, and they lay it down like it's the gospel. And I say, where did you get it? I printed it off the Internet. Well, did you do any resource or any checking off who you got this? Nope, it's on the Internet. It's on the Internet. It's got to be true, right? No, wrong. Hello? But there are some tremendous resources on the Internet today that we can gain knowledge. Another app that I enjoy, I use this one all the time. It's called eHow. There's a website for it. There's an app for it. I mean, if you want to know how to do anything, you just, I just push that on my iPhone, and I type in whatever it is I'm trying to do, and it'll tell me exactly how to do that thing. I don't care if it's replacing a hot water heater, if it's replacing a thermostat in your car, if it's some computer problem, if it's how to build a house. I don't care what it is. If you want to know anything on how to do anything, click that tab, and boom, type it in. How do I do this? And it'll give you step by step how to do it. Man, my wife thinks I'm brilliant. She does. She told me, man, John, you're the smartest guy I know. There's my hint. Ehow app on my phone. And man, I'm amazed at the knowledge that's at our fingertips. I mean, we can learn so much in this day. And I think that's one of the signs that we have that we are in the end time. Now, those are two out of the book of Daniel. Turn back with me to the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus now gives us a few more signs, a few more hints that we may be near in the end, that we may be at the end time. Matter of fact, Matthew chapter 24 is the greatest passage in the Bible to determine the signs, the hints, and the times of the end that we may be drawing near. Now, listen, understand this. These are just signs. And I'm going I'm to wrap this up with a, a good, strong statement at the end. But these are just signs that say the near or the end is near. Hint number three that we see that Jesus shares with us in verse number five of Matthew chapter 24 is that many will claim to be Christ deceiving many. I am totally blown away by this. As I went out and I researched all the people that have claimed to be Christ and the multitudes of people that follow these people that claim to be Christ. I am completely blown away. Do people just not think? I mean, do you just blindly follow somebody without thinking whatsoever? But the Bible says, Jesus says that one of the signs that we are in the end is that many will claim to be Christ. Look what he says, Matthew 24, verse 5. 
Many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. As the time of Christ's return draws nearer and nearer, as it gets closer and closer, there are going to be more and more individuals claiming to be Christ. I'm amazed at this Reverend Sun Mung Moon of the Unitarian Church. I don't know if you know much about him. Hopefully you don't know anything about him. That's what I hope. But for some that may know some about him, this guy, this Reverend Sun Mung Moon, actually claims that he is the Messiah and that he is fulfilling Jesus' unfinished mission. That goes completely against the Bible. What was the last words that Jesus said on the cross? It, how I'm helping you here, is what? Help me. Finished. What mission is there to, to finish? There is no mission to finish for Jesus. Jesus, it's finished. It's done. Everything is set in stone. But this Reverend Moon of the Unification Church believes that he is actually Jesus and that he's fulfilling his unfinished mission. Guys, you realize that since 1900, fact, since 1900, there have been 1,100 people that have claimed to be Christ. That's 10 people a year since 1900. That's almost one person a month since 1900 that's risen up and said, I am Jesus. What is that? That's a sign. That's really all it is. It's a sign. And not only do we see this reverend moon, but there have been many scores of people through the centuries have risen up and said that I am the Messiah. One that we all probably are very familiar with is Jim Jones. You know, rose up. He's the Messiah. Uh, David Koresh, the, the Branch Davidians. There, there's many. Uh, matter of fact, on December the 24th, 1997, get this one. God's Salvation Church. It's a cult similar to Heaven's Gate. It's a group that's located in Garland, Texas. They claimed that one of their children in their group is the actual reincarnation of Jesus Christ himself. Guys, I'm amazed how, it, how, it, how much of it is out there. You know, it's just a sign. It's, it's a hint that the, the time, the, the end is near. And Jesus wanted us to see that. Another hint, another sign that we see in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 12. I get this one. In Matthew 24, 12, it talks about how the love of the Lord and others would decrease. Look what he says in in verse number 12. Jesus speaks. Because lawlessness will multiply. Now understand that. Lawlessness will multiply. What does that mean? That means that we're going to get to a state where even the law enforcement agencies are no longer able to keep peace in communities. Guys, have we seen that? That's kind of been everywhere, is it not? I mean, the riots that take place, the overthrowing that takes place, and the, the lawlessness that is out there that has multiplied. Would you, would you agree with me that lawlessness has multiplied here in the year 2011? Sure it has. It's one of the signs of the end. But look at the result of that. It says that the love of many will grow cold. In other words, that love that they, that born-again believers even had for the Lord, and that love that mankind had for each other, and that love for an unsaved man even had for each other, the Bible says that that love will decrease, that that love will grow cold. Guys, may I remind you, and I preached a whole message about how the church is to love each other. But may I remind you what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 35. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love. And it's that agape love. If you have love for one another. You know what Jesus said? He said, I am going to allow the world the unbelievers, the unchurched, to look inside the church and to judge you as a Christian, as a believer, to see if you really are a child of God. And you know the element, you know what we're going to be judged by? It's how we love each other. God help us 
as a church family, if we grow cold and hard towards one another, we need to love each other. Hello? That's one of the signs that we are a believer, is, is how we show our love for each other. But in the world today, we all know that love for one another has grown also cold. I'm amazed at the murders and the killings, the intentional looking at someone's child or looking at someone's wife just down in Columbia. I forget the guy's name, but killed his wife and his kids. How in the world can we do that? I think it's one of the signs that love for one another has grown cold and hardened. Would you agree? Love for others, including our enemies, is the surest indication that we're God's true disciples. So that love is going to decrease. So we've looked at four or five different ways already. Signs, hints that we may be in the end time. Travel will increase. Knowledge will increase. Many will claim to be Christ. Love will decrease. There's another one. Look at verses 6 through 7, Matthew 24. War and rumor of wars. War and rumor of wars. You're going to hear, Jesus said, of wars and rumors of wars. And see that you are not alarmed. Because these things must take place. But what? But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Historians all agree that the 20th century was unparalleled in the scale of human misery created by other humans. The fact that the war that we create and the crime that is out there, the killings that take place, Listen, no period has ever witnessed an escalation in wars as the 20th century. The Red Cross, and I got this straight off their website, the Red Cross has estimated that over 100 million people have been killed in wars since the 20th century began. This is not to include the genocide of the Russians, not to include the exterminating of the Jews with the Holocaust. Over 100 million people have been killed by war. Up and get this now. Up until 1914, war had never been universal. But of course, we know with World War 1 and 2, total war was raged. Since World War 2, there have been numerous wars and hundreds of rebellions. And the death toll in the conflict since World War 2 has toppled 23 million people. Would you agree that there are wars and rumors of wars? And we know that all too well, being right here by Scott Air Force Base. We know that we're in war. Agree? That's one of the signs that we may be in the end. Let me give you another one. I'm going to stop with some of these and and get to the end. Matter of fact, there's probably many more I could share. But number six, get this one. Here's another hint. Here's another sign that the end may be near. Jesus says in verse 7, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And then he says, all these events are the beginning of birth pains. So what is he telling us? That famines and earthquakes will increase. Now I realize with all that's taking place in Japan and the earthquakes, with the tornadoes that that have all ripped through America as of late, you know, we've all got our eye on... The weather, do we not? The climate, the earth, the earthquakes, all this devastation. I believe it's just one of the signs. But let me share this with you about the earthquakes. I went on the website for the U.S. government archive of global earthquakes and did some research on their, on their website. Guys, do you realize that when they started tracking in 1970, 1970 to the year 2003, there were approximately... 1,500 earthquakes a year. From 2004 to 2010, it has risen slightly to approximately 1,900 earthquakes a year. And of course, the year 2007, that's the highest of any year. There were 2,270 earthquakes uh, that were there. But I want you to see that the average from 1970 to the year 2010 is 1,600 and what? Let's say 34 earthquakes a year. Here's what I want you to see. In 1970, 
I was a, let's see, I was born in six, I was six years old. I was running around just playing outside. I never heard of an earthquake in 1970. Maybe some of you older folks did. But I'm just talking about when I was younger and growing up, you know, we didn't have 24-7 news. I mean, we would all rush in to get the evening news and watch it for 30 minutes and rush back out. We didn't have 24-7 news taking place. We didn't have reporters all around the globe and at every point of devastation giving us all this live footage of what was taking place with earthquakes and the devastation that takes place in those like we do today. Do you realize, although there's been a slight increase, there really hasn't been that much of an increase since 1970? Do you, would you agree with that? There's been a small but, but not extreme yeah, we had one year where it was kind of extreme. But the point I'm making is this, and here's what I want us to bring it down to. When did the end times begin? Did it just begin at the year 2007 at the turn of the new millennium? When did the end times begin? Oh, I know when they began. 1960 when Elvis came on the scene. No. Was it 60 or 70? Somebody help me here. 60, I think. Yeah. I know when it began. It had to begin in 19... No. You know when the end time began? When the church age began. We have been in the end time. We have been in this age. We have been in this dispensation. And I shared with you some back, sometime back, a few weeks back, in a message on dispensationalism. I shared with you what that's all about. It's periods of time. We have been, get this church, we have been in the end times for 2,000 years. It didn't just start last week. You see, a lot of times we look, and, and let me caution maybe some of you parents that have young children of this. Don't sit your children in front of Fox News or CNN News or these other news for 24-7, and let them see all of that stuff. Let them be a child, will you? Hello? There were earthquakes taking place all over the globe when I was a six-year-old boy, and all I was concerned about is if I was going to get to bat the next inning, or if I was going to get to kick the ball the next inning, or if I was going to get to ride my motorcycle tomorrow evening after school. That's really all I was. Let your kids be kids. Turn the stinking TV off for a while. Hello? Somebody needs to say amen. That's good stuff. Don't get so caught up in this. I mean, we got kids that are on nerve pills today. They're, they're totally over the edge. Why, sure it's fearful. Sure it's devastating. It concerns us as adults. Think what trauma that must bring on your children. Now, that's just a sidebar. Turn the TV off. I know it's bad out there. But you know what? It's nothing new. It's always been bad. The new thing is we see it now all the time where we never used to see it. Now, I'm not saying that ignorance is bliss. I think we should educate ourselves. We should know what's going on. Turn it off. You know, there's times I can't stand Fox News. There's times I can't stand CNN News. There's times I can't stand any of them. I'm just tired of hearing it. I know it's bad. I'm like, where's a good story? Where's something? I know there's got to be something good. Are you with me, church? Hello? We've been in those end times. But I want you to look. I'm going to wrap this up with this. I'm done with my, my points I'm going to give you. I'm going wrap to it, wrap it up this way. How should we respond? Seeing these signs, seeing the hints of the time, how do we respond to that? A better question is, how do we live? How do we live with that? In this day and age, how am I supposed to live tomorrow? I love this little saying, and I've used I don't know where I originally heard it. I can't remember the source, but I remember I've, I've used it for as long as I've been an adult. And I don't claim originality to it. I heard it somewhere. I don't know where I heard it, but I've used it for years. Get this. Plan your life like Jesus is never coming. As far as planning. Plan your life like he's never coming. Those kids are going to grow up. College is right around the corner. A spouse for them is right around the corner. Prayerfully, grandkids are on the way. Oh, plan your life. 
Like Jesus is never, ever coming. But live your life like he's coming today. That'll help you. Plan your life like he's never coming. We've got to be good stewards of our time. We've got to be the leaders of our home. We must be the leaders in our families. We must be the leaders in our community. We must be the leaders in our church. We must plan. Plan our lives like He's never coming. We're planning. Listen, my, my strategy in planning this church is that it will sustain and grow long after John Cannon's off the scene. That's why I'm not trying to build this around me. I'm trying to put a team of people in place. And families in place, they can pass it off to generation, to generation, to generation, so this church can exist and keep preaching the gospel long after John Cannon is dead and gone and spending eternity with Jesus. That's long-term planning. And that's how I plan for this church. But man, I live like he's coming tomorrow morning. I got my house in order. Everything is well. The I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, the sins are confessed. I've placed my faith in Christ. I'm looking in Him alone. I've got all that taken care of. Plan your life like He's never coming. Live your life like He's coming in the morning. I want you to look at the last thing Jesus says in Matthew, or the last thing I'm going to point out that He says. In Matthew 24 and verse 6, the latter part of that verse, He says, See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. All these things I've mentioned to you are clues. But these clues do not, get this, these clues do not suggest that the end of the world has come. Right? Jesus said, do not be alarmed. All these things must take place. But the end is not yet. Christ could come at any moment. Then I want you to look at verse number 8, Matthew 24. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Now, guys, we have two children. I've been in the, the delivery room with both of our children when they were born. You know what did not happen? What did not happen is we did not have a child when my wife had her first contraction. Hello? When she had her first contraction, we didn't have a baby. She had her second, we didn't but, but we knew that the culmination of nine months of being pregnant, we knew that the end was very, very near. It was getting close, but we just had a couple contractions. We weren't there. That's what Jesus is saying. All these events are the beginning of birth pains. So everything we've discussed this morning are the initial birth pains that really we've been living in for 2,000 years. I wonder, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I just have one question. I don't know when he's coming. I've shared with you chapter and verse that no man knows when he's coming. But this is what I do want to say. We need to be prepared. He is coming are you ready are you ready if he was to come in the morning are you ready if he was to come right now we need to be ready all through God's word you'll see in Paul's writing that he thought Jesus was coming in his day he thought he would see the return of Christ Peter in his writings he thought he would see The return of Christ. Folks, we've been living in the last days ever since Jesus ascended back to the Father. And the angel told the disciples that were standing there, Be not dismayed. This same Jesus that you've seen taken up from you will so come again in like manner as you have seen him go. He's coming, guys. Are we ready? You say, preacher, what do I need to do to get ready? There's really only one thing. It's not baptism. It's not church membership. It's not paying your tithe. It's not trying to be a good person. There's only one thing that we must do to be ready. We must have the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, applied to our life. Well, how do I do that? 
We do that by faith. We believe that Jesus is God's Son. That He lived a sinless life here on this earth. That He was born, He lived a sinless life, and He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins and the sins of the whole world. That He was buried and He rose again the third day. And by faith, we call out to Him and we say, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. And right now, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And today, I want to trust you as my personal Lord and Savior. You do that, all these other things that we're going to be talking about this summer will take care of themselves. Jesus will take care of you. I don't want you to live in fear of the end time. I don't want you to live afraid. He may just come in the morning. He may come before we close this service. I don't know when he's coming. But there are some signs that we are nearing the end. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.